You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Today I want to share with you seven things you can do when life still seems overwhelming. Maybe you thought life would get back to normal when the COVID storm was over, like a bad winter blizzard. We all got stuck staying home or afraid of what would happen if we went out. First students stayed home and then workers were sent home too. Now we're concerned about our health, jobs, inflation, supply shortages, politics, crime, threats of war, cyber hacking, and terrorism. Fill uh, fill in the blank. Uh, Part of what we're concerned about is real, and some of it is our perception. When life seems overwhelming, we can be pulled down by fear or lifted up by love. So watch this video that shows the difference between fear and love. Did you know that the human brain expresses only two fundamental emotions, love and fear? From these two, all other emotions are experienced. As Christians, we're called to live in God's love. But how do we live in love or fear? Humans can have many types of fear. There's the fear of the unknown, pain, death, and fear of choices, just to name a few. When we live in fear, we react to instead of act against our fear. But when we love, we have excitement, generosity, trust, and courage. Love strengthens and empowers whereas fear weakens and disables. Perfect love, like a light, casts out all fear. For it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Many times, our fears can be irrational. It's like believing in the boogeyman. The devil causes us to become fearful But God is way bigger. When we give up our fears to God, we can live a full life in love that He has prepared for us. So which will you choose? Fear or love? That was a pretty descriptive video. Uh, I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this is actually a pre-recording of a message I'm going to share live. The live ones are always better at River Rock Church at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, we're currently meeting at the Oldenburg uh, restaurant in Belle Plaine because we don't have a, uh, a regular place to meet right now, so we're working on it. Nonetheless, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi from jail, and if anyone had reasons to feel overwhelmed, it was Paul. So I shared a message about the first part of Philippians 4 on June 27th. The message was help to overcome anxiety. So you can find that online at riverrockchurch.com. Anyway, Epaphroditus had been sent from Rome to Philippi with a generous financial gift to provide for Paul, and it came during his time of need. So, um, in 1 Corinthians 9.14, by the way, 
Paul made it clear that uh, ministers of the gospel were supposed to be supported by the church. And um, it's a good thing when a church has a full-time pastor. It's a good thing when a church provides uh, for their pastor. 1 Corinthians 9.14 says, uh, The Lord ordered that those who preach the good news, the gospel, should be ported, supported, supported by those who benefit from it. So there's a great advantage to having a full-time pastor in a church. A great advantage to having somebody that's available on call there to answer needs to help people in need. I like to think of it sometimes as the sometimes the pastor is like the lighthouse keeper, keeping that light shining uh, day and night, uh, available uh, during storms, available during difficult times, available even in good times. I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13 out of the New Living Translation. I compared the passages and found that the New Living Translation spoke the clearest to what I want to say today. And my purpose, my hope, is that if you're feeling overwhelmed, that you might find some steps, some things that you can do. All right, um, Paul writes, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have all, always been concerned for me, but that you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. All right, so I want to give you seven I can statements when you're feeling feeling overwhelmed. Uh, this may not fix your problem, but it will give you some areas that you can start and some things that you can try to help get over this feeling of being overwhelmed. Sometimes you literally are overwhelmed and need to see what you can do to delegate, to cut back, uh, or to release yourself from the responsibility of trying to get it all done. Or um, maybe uh, it's just this feeling that you're overwhelmed, uh, even when you're not. So I remember there were times when I was at work that uh, it was, I felt like I was in a batting cage and the ball was coming at me so fast. There were so many things coming at me so fast that I was just doing my best to hit anything I could reach out and hit. So <laughs> whatever I got done was great compared to all the things that I was being asked to do. Uh, sometimes it was sales and marketing. Uh, but I remember when I was working at Hardee's uh, when I was in high school that we had a chain broiler that the meat came through. And so you had to wait for the meat to cook over the chain broiler. You couldn't really speed that up much. Uh, buns had to come out and they would have nights. I think it was like Monday nights where they had three cheeseburgers for a dollar or four hamburgers for a dollar. We were making like school buses would come in and we were making like hundreds of hamburgers and cheeseburgers and uh, it was crazy and I was overwhelmed and I just did the best that I could do. Um, but you know what it's like to be overwhelmed and you probably know why you're overwhelmed. So let's look at these seven I can statements. I can do uh, these things when I feel overwhelmed from what Paul said in this passage. All right, number one, I can look upward and praise the Lord. Paul says, how I praise the Lord. I can look upward and praise the Lord. I can look upward and know that God sees, God knows, God hears my prayer, God cares. 
and I should praise the Lord. Psalm 147.1 says, praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. You can praise him with your mouth. You can praise him and tell him how great he is, how wonderful he is, how much you love him, how much he means to you. Uh, as you're also uh, telling him about your needs and the things that you're concerned about. Uh, you can praise in song. Some of that good Christian music will help you uh, be looking upward, help encourage you during difficult times. You're looking for the Christian music with the good words. Uh, how delightful and how fitting it is to sing praises to our God. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Praise him and help get your eyes off your circumstances, get your eyes off of your difficulties and how you're feeling and focused on the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Paul, he has every right to write on this, every right to share his testimony in this, because he lived a great example before us. So what did Paul and Silas do when they were beaten, when they were imprisoned? Uh, Acts 16, 23. It says they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening you know, if you keep reading that passage in Acts, you'll find that the jailer and his family became Christians because uh, the prisoners could have escaped. Paul and Silas could have escaped, but they didn't. Instead of being focused on their circumstances, instead of being focused on uh, the fact that they were being beaten, that they were their rights were being violated, that uh, they were overwhelmed with their own situation, uh, we can be like, Paul and Silas, who were focused on Jesus, serving Jesus, living for Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, praising Jesus, they were focused on the jailer who put them in jail, who was told to keep them uh, from escaping, and the prisoners. They were focused more on the jailer and the prisoners than on their loss of freedom or circumstances. And that brings us to number two. I can focus on helping others. Paul and Silas were focused on Jesus and focused on helping others, and it made an eternal difference in the Philippian jailer's family as they all came to Christ. Paul says, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again, uh, so uh, helping me. So Paul was helped. And I think that as we focus on helping others, as we focus on uh, not just wallowing in our circumstances or difficulties, but if we, even in the difficulty, have an opportunity to help somebody, have a need that we can uh, meet for somebody, have some provision, have something that we can do to encourage, to help, to lead them to Christ, to help them grow spiritually, to um, provide what they need, uh, that that will help us to get over this feeling that we're overwhelmed. So it might actually add more to the things that we have to do, but it also might take our mind off of the difficulty of our circumstances and help us to focus on uh, those other people. Maybe if we feel overwhelmed because we're not feeling success in life, maybe if we're feeling overwhelmed because we're not feeling the job or uh, we're not feeling the success or we're just not feeling that life is the way we want it to be, that maybe we'll get some of those wins, that some of that feeling that we're doing something good, some of those victories as we're helping others. 
Look at Psalm 37.3. Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desire. So what does it say? It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So do good. Do what you know is right. Do the things that God wants you to do. And do good deeds. So you can do good as you live your life before the Lord, and you can do good to others. Uh, one thing that my wife and I are doing right now, because there's nothing worth watching on TV, and uh, it's just really awesome for us to continue to uh, sharpen the saw, to increase our effectiveness, to re- be reminded um, when it comes to helping others of skills and what we can do. Uh, we're going through a set of video classes right now, uh, the Lifeline to Hope self-study course uh, on biblical counseling from hopefortheheart.org, Hope for the heart.org. So it's a 11 one-hour videos and like a 300 and some page guide manual, some fill in the blanks, tons of information, way more information than they could ever share in those 11 hours on those videotapes. And I think it's like $250, but they had a half off deal in June. So I took it. Uh, maybe if you're interested in doing that, that you might contact them and say, hey, it was on sale in June and I didn't know. Can I get the discount? Nonetheless, helping others. Uh, in 2017, Time Magazine had this article about helping others, and I thought that this thing about Chinese um, sayings was pretty helpful. It says, there's a Chinese saying that goes, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. Help somebody. Uh, It says, for centuries, the greatest thinkers have suggested the same thing. Happiness is found in helping others. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Uh, uh, Thriving in Crisis, Serving Others by Dennis McCart uh, from last year, March 21st, 2021, in a blog from the Lytle Center on Leadership uh, talked about that. So part of Abilene Christian University. Anyway, so here's what he says. So what is service? According to the dictionary, uh, service is an act of helpful activity. Uh, The Merriam Dictionary says a contribution to the welfare of of others. These definitions point to a type of value creation directed at someone outside of yourself. Podsikoff and colleagues in 2000 outlined these behaviors. And he says, I've included a few relevant dimensions below. Uh, Helping. He says, assisting others overcome challenges and work-related problems. You know, when you're overwhelmed, you can do stuff like that. You can do stuff to help people. Um, sportsmanship. You know, sometimes you're overwhelmed in sports when you're on the team and you're behind. Uh, work with Sportsmanship. Working without whining or complaining. Individual initiative. Doing more than required or expected. Going above and beyond. Self-development. Uh, those voluntary actions to better oneself and knowledge, skills, and abilities for the sake of others or your organization. Across all these definitions and dimensions, there is a key theme regarding service that emerges, action that is outward focused. It means that you're doing something primarily for the benefit and goodwill of another person or group of people. When we serve, we look outside of ourselves, beyond our own problems and seek to bring value to others. The shocking benefits of service. It seems obvious that the acts of service help the people who are being served, but when we look outside of ourselves for a way to create value for others, walk with them in times of need, and assist them in finding resources to meet their needs, 
Most times, the people that are being helped are better off. The twist here, however, is that not only are those on the receiving end of the acts of service benefiting, the person engaged in service as well as the environment they are operating in are better off as well. All right, number three, I can be realistic about what my true needs are. Paul says, not that I was ever in need. You know, if we think that we need money and possessions to be successful in life, we might miss out on what's really important. I mean, we do need money to pay the bills, but we don't need uh, so much money that we buy so many possessions that it keeps us away from Jesus. Uh, It's bad when we have so much money that we spend all of our time trying to do everything we can to keep that money, uh, keep more of that money. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So we need to be realistic about what true needs are and expect the Lord to provide those needs. Again, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for the day. So the Lord will provide our needs. We need to ask. We need to seek his kingdom first. We need to put God first in our lives. We need to pray and ask and expect and wait and trust and be thankful when we receive what we've asked for or when we receive what we need. We don't always get what we want. We don't always get what we want from the Lord, but the Lord does provide what we need. Sometimes we have not because we've asked not. And sometimes when we ask, we do it for the wrong motives. So Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. To trust in that, to know that the Lord provides. He doesn't provide everything we want. He doesn't provide everything uh, in our time frame. Sometimes we have expectations of things that we really think that we need. And obviously, uh, he says, no, you don't really need that. I look back and I see how God has been faithful. He's been faithful in the lean times to me. He's been faithful faithful to me when I thought I had a sickness that would destroy my life. Uh, He's been faithful when my oldest son died and went to be with Jesus when we didn't expect it. Um, Total shock, surprise, heartbreak. He's been faithful when we left a great church family to come to Belle Plaine to start River Rock Church. Uh, He's been faithful during the housing boom uh, in 2002. He's been faithful during the housing bust years after that when people were moving away and having their houses foreclosed on. He was faithful during the COVID lockdown, and he's faithful today. And I say he can be trusted to take care of our needs in the future. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So sometimes our needs aren't money. Sometimes our needs aren't possession. Uh, Sometimes they're friendship. Sometimes they're victory over sin. Sometimes they are things for other people as we're praying for intercessory prayers, prayers. So anyway, come back next week for five steps to getting your needs met from Philippians 4. Uh, verses 13 through 23. All right, number four, I can commit to be content in every circumstance. Paul says, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. So the dictionary defines contentment as the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. So today it's rare that we find anyone who's truly content with his or her condition in life. So Donald Cole wrote, 
So what does contentment mean? It's an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that He is in control of all that happens to us. It means having our focus on the kingdom of God and serving Him, not on the love of money and things. If God grants us material comforts, we can thankfully enjoy them, knowing that it all comes from His loving hand. But also, we seek to use it for His purpose by being generous. If He takes our riches, our joy remains steady because we are fixed on Him. Contentment also means not being battered around by difficult circumstances or people, and not being wrongly seduced by prosperity because our life is centered on a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens to us or what others do to us, we have the steady assurance that the Lord is for us and He will not forsake us. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10 Out of the English Standard Version But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing... With these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. In Proverbs 30, verse 7, out of the Christian Standard Bible, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. In Ecclesiastes 5.10, out of the NIV, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. All right, number five. Number five, I can learn the secrets of living effectively in every situation. I can learn the secrets to living effectively in every situation. Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Uh, what Paul what what. What did Paul go through? What are some examples of this? 1 Corinthians 4.11, out of the NIV. He says, To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. 2 Corinthians 11.23, out of the New Living Translation. Paul writes, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced... Danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I had the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Now to 2 Corinthians 6.4. 
6-4. He's gone through all this difficulty, but he's got it figured out. He says, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored, even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We've been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. I think that's just a great example of how the Apostle Paul had so many reasons to complain, how so many reasons that he was uh, overwhelmed. He could just give up. He could quit. But instead, it's He figured it out. He figured out that he was going to go through the hard stuff and still be faithful to God, that he was going to go through the difficult stuff and change his expectations of people, that he was going to honor and praise God, that he was going to serve Jesus no matter what other people thought of him or the difficulties that he went through. And he should encourage us. I'm not sure what area of life that you're overwhelmed in, what your difficulty is, but know that many other people have gone through that and not just godless people. Uh, Jesus, when he comes into your life, when he saves you, when he makes you, uh, adopts you as a child of God, he doesn't always promise to make your life comfortable. He doesn't always promise to make everything in your life easy. Uh, sometimes we praise and honor him and show our commitment uh, through uh, the difficulties. Uh, when our character is truly tested, when we... Um, could have given up or could have turned our back on the Lord because things didn't go our way. Yet we keep pursuing, we kept serving, we kept praising, we kept sharing Jesus with others. Number six, I can do everything I'm supposed to through Christ. I can do everything I'm supposed to through Christ, for I can do everything through Christ. So, I mean, this makes a a great life verse. This makes a great tattoo. This makes a great thing uh, to say that you can do anything. You know, oh, you can do anything you put your mind to. If you put your mind to become president, uh, yeah. Anyway, so Paul's not saying that, you know, if I just have the right mindset that I can do anything I want. We can do everything that we're supposed to through Christ. And I think that is very important to remember that that is the way that it is. That it's not, it's a, it's a verse that's tied into context. So we can do all the things that Christ wants us to do. We can do all the things that are according to his will. Number seven, uh, amazing how fast time goes. Number seven, I can rely on Christ to give me strength to fully overcome and not feel overwhelmed. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Isaiah 40, 29 says that he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I know I must be out of time by now, but I want to share from the Barnes commentary about the importance of the balance in this verse. He says, notice the balance between God's part and our part. Some Christians put too much emphasis on I can do all things, on the human responsibility. You end up burning out because I cannot do all things in my own strength. Others put too much emphasis on through him who strengthens me. These folks sit around passively not doing anything because they don't want to be accused of acting in the flesh. 
the correct biblical balance is that I do it, but I do it by constant dependence on the power of Christ who indwells me. I think that's huge. In Philippians 4.13, the verb is a present tense, meaning God's continual day-by-day infusing me with strength as I serve Him. You know, we're not superhuman, and we can't even do things on our own, really. I mean, we want to think that if we get the right education, uh, if we have the right influence, if we have enough, uh, if we have the position or the finances or whatever, we can make things happen. And you know, there are some mover and shakers that can make things happen, but not necessarily the things that Jesus wants. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, we need to be in Jesus, abiding in Jesus, remaining in Jesus. It is so important if we want to do what really matters. If we want to do what really matters, I promise I'm almost done. Colossians 1.28. What, what, are, what are some things we're supposed to be doing? Uh, Colossians 1.28 out of the NIV. Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. (laughs) Priorities are making disciples, leading people to Jesus, living for Jesus, making a difference in the world. I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives, that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece, his masterpiece.
So you might have started to listen to this or watch this thinking that by the time I'm done listening to this, I will no longer feel overwhelmed. Um, And maybe I've given you some ideas, some places to start, some places to get some help. If I haven't, uh, let me give you number eight, okay? It's a bonus, number eight. I said I was going to give you seven. I'm going to give you number eight. Uh, You can buy a book. So you can buy an ebook or a printed book. I saw that it's for sale on Amazon and as a Kindle and a Google uh, book and whatever. But um, Simplify Your Spiritual Life, Spiritual Disciplines for the Overwhelmed by Donald Whitney. So he is uh, a leader at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. But I was reading through the book and there's some steps in there that are really helpful too. So, all right, let me pray. Um, You know, I never like to end uh, a message, even when I'm out of time, without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everything I just shared with you about being in Christ and having your prayers answered and everything, uh, it all hinges on you having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The thing that separates you from your relationship with Christ is sin. Sin is doing anything outside the will of God. God knows that. You can't live perfectly, do perfectly, or do anything to get rid of the sin that's already in your life. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus came to live among us, teach us how to live. Then he died on the cross for our sin and rose again. But to have that payment for sin applied to our account, we have to accept it. We have to uh, make that transaction, a faith transaction. And one of the best ways to do that is through prayer, through praying something like this. If you'd like to receive Jesus right now, if you'd like Jesus to forgive you of your sin and come into your life, pray with me. Pray with me these words. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you died on the cross and rose again and that you can hear my prayer right now. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you and do your will. I trust you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did that, let us know so we can share with you some resources on how to grow in the Christian life. That's huge. That's what we're about. We want lost people to come to Jesus. We want people that are saved, those people who have come to Jesus, we want them to grow in their faith. We want the mature Christians to come alongside of us and serve and get involved in what we're doing um, and what we plan to do in the future. We hope that uh, those who are maturing in Christ and serving will invest in others and make disciples and uh, reproduce leaders. Uh, Some even become pastors. We've had some uh, people in our church uh, leave us and go become uh, pastors in other places. So it's all a great thing. So I thank you for taking the time uh, and I hope that you found some encouragement. So next week will be five steps to getting your needs met from Philippians 4, 13 to 23. And then on July 25th, a well life. When I was talking about living a well life, a life of worship, encouraging, learning, and loving. A well life is full of faith, friends, and farewells. So that is the message for that Sunday. So River Rock Church is supported by those who care about River Rock Church. So we need your prayer support. Uh, We would love to hear any type of encouragement that you could send our way. Uh, We need your financial support so we can keep moving forward. So we are doing everything that we can do as a church to uh, move forward, to find a great place to meet, to uh, raise up a church that meets the needs of the community and region, to get back to doing children's ministry. Uh, We're still doing youth group. Actually, youth group's gotten pretty big. We're still doing life groups. Uh, We still have prayer meeting. Uh, We still have Sunday services. 
So you can come to our Sunday service at 9.30 a.m. at the Oldenburg Restaurant, 116 West Main Street in Belle Plaine. And if you've listened to this message already, uh, people always tell me there's always information uh, in the live message that you don't hear in the recorded one. It's always a little different, different enough that it makes it worth coming, worth attending. Uh, we pray, we encourage one another. Uh, it's great to have fellowship. It's good to have uh, friends in the faith. So consider coming to River Rock Church. So uh, with that, I'm out of time, but I hope that you'll have a great week and that uh, you'll tune in again or come to tune in again next week or come to visit this week or next. Actually, next week is barbecue days. And if you want to come sit up at our ministry center at 124 West Main Street and watch the parade go by with us, you can do that. So I think the parade starts at noon. And then I'll be volunteering at the barbecue beef stand from 2 to 4 on Saturday. So stop by and say hi if you'd like. So again, I'm probably out of time, but I just thank you. And you have yourself a great week. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.